So the scripture reading for this morning is um, Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter said to him, to Jesus, just because we kind of pick up in the middle of something. Then Peter said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven was compared, maybe compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave his debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused, and then he went and threw himself into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father, so my heavenly Father will do also, will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I hope you'll at least forgive a little misreading as my, uh, my memory gets ahead of the actual words in the text. Please pray with me. Good and great God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight because God you are our strength and our rock and our redeemer amen so we're on forgiveness second of three weeks today I want to talk about how to forgive I'm going to start that with this question have you forgiven the refs from the Cowboys game last Sunday yet I heard one answer. When I pastored in March, what feels like a long time ago now, um, I was sometimes a part of the booster club there. I don't know if you're familiar with Mart, Texas, but if you're familiar with Mart, Texas, then you know something about their high school football because that is almost literally all that is in Mart, Texas. Theoretically, the booster club was to support all of Mart High School athletics. And to be fair... They were generous in their financial support for all the many sports, but most of the fundraising that came in came in through football games. And the one thing that I really couldn't take about the meetings 
was there was this game in the early 90s when Mark played at Marlin where the refs let the clock run at the end of the game so Mark didn't have time to come back and win. This was the early 90s. I was not there in the early 90s. Sometimes the discussion at the Booster Club would get so off course that there was this game, I think it was in the 50s, it might have been in the 30s, which meant that nobody left to whine and complain and, and moan about it was still alive. But if that game came up, there were these guys, and yes, it was all guys that would dredge up single calls from specific games from a half century ago. And how horribly wronged our team had been. If you're still holding on to something that way after 50 years, it's time to do something different about it. And some of you are. There is a name that I debate whether I should say it or not, but there's a name that I could say out loud, and I almost guarantee somebody listening to this, I, I, would, I, would, I, I would wager more than one person. If I said this name, the blood would start to boil, especially if I dared say anything positive or redeeming or even forgiving about this person. So I want to tell you on the way into, into how to forgive, forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is not forgetting. But it is letting go of something enough to see it in a different way so that you can talk about it with a different tone, with, without being full of bitterness and rage. And these days we have extra weight going against that. I, I have an image I'd love to share with you. Do we have that? Possible, guys? No. Okay. Then we'll move on. I'll tell you what the image is, because I love this. It's, it's an image of somebody sitting at a desktop computer, which kind of dates it a little bit anyway. But uh, there's a voice from, from off screen says, are you coming to bed? And the voice at the computer says, I can't. This is important. Well, what is it? Somebody on the internet is wrong, and I have to change it. Today I want to talk about how we forgive. I want to lay out this very, very clear and specific process for how to forgive because so many of us are held captive in various ways to our lack of forgiveness. And the story that Jesus told Peter in response to his question makes it clear how important being able to forgive others is for us. And I want to be fair because some of the challenges that some of you have with forgiving is not for lack of trying. It's not because you don't want to. It's not because you just want to hold on to it, maybe. You might deeply desire to forgive somebody. In fact, maybe, maybe, maybe part of the reason you haven't forgiven them is you think that you only really want to forgive them for selfish reasons because you don't want to feel this way about it anymore. That is an acceptable reason to start to forgive somebody, to to lay aside whatever you're holding against them and start to forgive them. 
if you just want to stop feeling whenever you think of the person and that whatever the event or issue is, you want to feel free from the weight, the hurt, the burden, the pain, the, the frustration, the bitterness, the, the anxiety of maybe ever having to face them again. Which is the kind of thing Peter must have had in mind when he asked Jesus, Lord, if any member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? Now, notice the, the New Revised Standard says, if any member of the church, um, the actual text said, if a brother. So Peter's question is about somebody who is a, 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 an important part of my life. It's not forgiving some stranger who has done something wrong. It's about how to, do I forgive somebody who means something to me? And I will start with where I think Jesus starts in, in his answer. Peter says, do I have to forgive him seven times? Jesus says in this version, no, 77 times. In some versions, it's 70 times seven. The point is way more than you're thinking. The point really is, I think, if you're counting, it's time to let go of that and do something different. So there's a four-step procedure for how to forgive. I get this from a, a book called The Book of Forgiving. It's by Archbishop De Desmond Tutu and his daughter Info Tutu. The, four, the fourfold forgiving is, first, tell the story. Second, name the hurt. Third, grant forgiveness. And fourth, renew or release the relationship. Now, you probably know, so I won't spend a lot of time on this, but the Tutus have a bit of experience in dealing with forgiving and the need thereof because both of them grew up in apartheid South Africa where um, the black and the white races were legally treated incredibly differently. And then all of a sudden, I think in the early to mid-90s, the laws changed and now everybody is suddenly legally equal. So Archbishop Desmond Tutu, an Anglican Archbishop, was charged with leading the group, the, the process for recognizing first, you don't go from this incredible disparity and discrimination to equal and just say, okay, everybody's good, right? We're all fair now. You, that does not work. So they started a process called the truth and reconciliation process. And they called it truth process, truth and reconciliation, because as the archbishop said, you can't begin to have reconciliation, which is our goal, without first having the truth. So we start, the first step in how to forgive is to tell the story. So you start with the facts, the information at hand for whatever it is. If you're having trouble forgiving somebody, lay out the story. You may need to write it out, but get it out. And realize if it was a long time ago, you might tell the story differently now than you did then. You might remember things differently now than you did then. You might remember things differently today than you did yesterday. This is all okay. The first step in the process is simply to tell the story. And they emphasize to tell it to somebody and in a place that you feel safe telling it. So it's not a story to put up on placards and stand on the street corner. It's a story to, tell, uh, to get your forgiveness. There may be other reasons to justify that kind of protest. But to, to find your ability to forgive, you need to tell the story. There may be in you a desire to tell the story to the person who wronged you, to the person that you're trying to forgive. And that may not be a good idea for any number of reasons. It may not be possible. You may not feel safe. 
In such a case, they recommend you can write as though you're writing them a letter. You don't have to send a letter. I had a, sem- I had a professor in seminary who had a file cabinet full of letters that his students and former students had written to various people and needed to do something with, but they weren't the kind of letters that you send. So he offered a safe place, a confidential file cabinet, where they could send their letters. So you start with telling your story. Number two, you name the hurt. You identify the feelings that you have that for which you want to forgive the other person. And remember on the way to this, that, that feelings are not good or evil, right or wrong in themselves. Feelings simply are. We can't control what we feel. But until we name what we feel, we can't do anything with it. Or, as I read someplace um, recently, we can't let go of feelings that we don't own. And until you name it, you can't own it to really let go of it. So refusing to name it, refusing to, to articulate what you're feeling for which you want to forgive someone else, you have to name your feelings. Identify them. It might help to go through the stages of grief if this is a major incident in your life and identify all the feelings and find someone that you can trust to share them with. So you've told your story, you've named your hurt, and number three, obviously, if we want to forgive somebody, number three is grant forgiveness. So the first part of this is, remember, forgiveness is a choice. You may not feel like forgiving somebody yet, but you might know you need to, so start the process with however small you have to be to say, I want to forgive so-and-so for, you name the story, you've named the hurt. Because in forgiving, the actual granting of forgiveness, that's where we change the story to where we become not the victim in our story, but the hero in our own story. Because as long as we tell a story the way somebody else has wronged us and we're the victim, then we're really letting them be the hero of the story. And it's also in this step, in, in the, maybe the effort that starts with eventually granting forgiveness, that we do what Jesus is getting at in this story. So the first slave owes a debt to his master, it says, of 10,000 talents. A talent at the time was understood as about a year's wage. So the servant would have to work for 10,000 years to be able to pay off this debt. And the master is in his right to send him to prison. Although I have to wonder about these stories where it says they send them to prison until they can pay the debt. Did they pay better in prison back then? Because if it takes 10,000 years of regular wages to pay off a debt, how many years of prison wages is that going to take? which is just emphasizing the point Jesus is making, that this first servant has an unpayable debt that the master, because he begs for and pleads for forgiveness, the master forgives him, cancels his debt. 
But then what does the servant do? He goes out and finds someone else who owes him a hundred denarii. Maybe a couple of weeks pay. And because he can't pay, he has him beaten and thrown into prison. So the servant is forgiven this great debt, but can't also forgive another servant his debt. So the servant is appreciative that his master has forgiven his literally unpayable debt, but can extend the same kind of understanding to his fellow servant. So he can't recognize that he and his fellow servant are, uh, share the human condition where we all have debts and we all need forgiveness. In taking the third step of actually granting forgiveness, we are not only becoming the hero rather than the victim in our story, but we're also recognizing the equal humanity that we share with whoever it is that has wronged us. Number four, which might stop some people. Number four is renew or release the relationship. So first, I want to recognize and acknowledge that the relationship after forgiveness may never be the same again. And in some cases, in many cases perhaps, maybe there can be no more relationship ever again. That's why the options are renew and release because in cases of abuse or serial manipulation to forgive someone does not mean to put yourself back in the situation where they can go back to hurting you again but it does mean that you go through a step that you you release them whatever the relationship was if it cannot be healed or restored, then it's released. So you are letting go of whoever it is and whatever they did. Because now you've identified exactly what they've done. You've identified how you felt about it. And you've offered forgiveness, maybe in person, maybe just in yourself. Because our offering of forgiveness to people also, our forgiving them can't depend on their receiving our offer of thanksgiving or offer of forgiveness. So in some cases, we may need to release them. But I'm reminded in, in the story where Peter asks, how often do I have to forgive a member of the church? How often do I have to forgive a brother? So Peter's talking about somebody close to me, somebody that I, I, I can't just walk away from, maybe. Somebody I, with whom I can't release the relationship. It is only in forgiveness that we can actually renew the relationship. So we tell the story. We name our hurts, we grant forgiveness, and then we move into a new stage of life where we can build a new relationship with someone with whom it's safe to build a new relationship. You might need an apology, you might need an explanation, or you might need to never see the person again. At this point, it's also very, a very good idea to look at your part in the conflict. In many of the things that we deal with, in many of the things that we hold against others for years, um, we have some part in the conflict. In others, 
We have no part in the conflict because as far as the person that has wronged us is concerned, they weren't doing anything to us. None of the reps last Sunday had you in mind when they made the call that you didn't like. Lily Tomlin, who I have never cited as a philosopher or theologian, or probably for anything else, but Lily Tomlin said this, and I want to share this with you because I, I, I find hope and promise in this. She said that forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. Nothing you can do, nothing you hang on to, nothing you let go of, nothing will change the past. But I believe that if, if we practice forgiveness, it, it will give us a different way to look at the past. doesn't change the past, but it helps us look at the past differently. So, Lily Tomlin said forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. Jesus would add to that, I think, that forgiveness is claiming hope for a present and future no matter what happened in the past. So I'm inviting you with whatever is still um, troubling you, whatever in your soul still needs to reach out and offer forgiveness, I want to invite you today to let the clock run out on the forgiveness you need to extend. Let us pray. God, we are your people. We're the sheep of your pasture. We desire to live the life that you have for us. We want to know what it is, God, to live as forgiven people. In this story that Jesus told, we can identify with the one who forgave a great debt. We can identify with the one who received great forgiveness. And we can identify with the one who was not forgiven a small wrong. So God, as we can identify with each of the characters in this story, we give ourselves to you because we want to be your people. We want to be people who can live in the forgiveness you offer us. Not least of which, God, is because we know that if we can live as forgiven people, we can see the light of the hope that Jesus gives the whole world better and more clearly and more brightly than we can if we remain under a load of unforgiveness. And God, help us to see what a difference we can make in our communities, in the world around us, as we learn to live as people who forgive and thus can live as people who are forgiven. So God, bring to our minds, stir up in us an awareness of people who we need to forgive and help us take the first steps in forgiving them. But God, also stir up within us an awareness of people who we need to approach and ask for forgiveness. 
so that we can represent you with this incredible gift of love and forgiveness and freedom that comes from having all of our debts canceled. So we give ourselves to you this morning, God, in the name of Jesus, who taught us to forgive and who taught us to pray. <clears throat> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.